should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. I am in Tucson, Arizona, where Washington defeated Arizona. 31 to 24 to move to 5 and 0. Arizona moves to 3 and 2 in front of an announced crowd of 50,800. It was family uh, family week here in Arizona. Red out uh, stadium was full of red, uh, pure red with the uh, Arizona uniforms. Game time a little over three hours, three hours and 12 minutes. Temperature at kickoff was 89 degrees, but it was actually quite comfortable. The wind was maybe a little bit of factor to begin with, but then it really died down, and it was actually quite comfortable down on the field. So one of the few times down in the desert where I can honestly say the weather really didn't impact the game. But I forgot. I don't know if you remember this, Chris, or not, but when did they put in field turf down in Arizona? I always thought it was I always thought it was grass. Well, no, I think it's it was been at least turf. 2013. Yeah, it's been field turf for about. A decade now. Yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. I don't know, maybe I just didn't recognize it, but uh, good crowd here. Um, <laughs> a lot of them left at the half, but, um, you know, it was a good win. I know it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a pretty win, but a lot of teams struggled today that are in the top 10. And uh, when you can come down to the desert on the road and walk away with the win, you take it and run and you get ready for the two weeks ahead where you're going to have Oregon. But, you know, Chris, we talked quite a bit, um, you know, before this game about the game plan of Arizona, where they were just going to flood the field with DBs and um, make Washington dump the ball down and not give them anything downfield. And that's indeed what we saw tonight. We saw a lot of that. They definitely tried to take Roma Dunze out of the game. And, you know, he only only had five passes, but they were for 64 yards. Typically, if he had five catches, they'd be for over 100 yards total because he'd have at least one bomb. And I, if I remember correctly, there was maybe only one, possibly two deep passes to him all game long, and they didn't complete either one of them. So it was a, it was a game where the, the running backs were going to have to step up, the tight ends were going to have to step up, and they did a fantastic job. And then they were going to have to manufacture some some run game too, and I thought they did a decent job of that. Scott, it looked like, you know, Michael, you know, in the pocket, he was looking one, two, back to one, and then he was dumping down to three quite a bit and putting the ball in the hands of his playmakers and, you know, letting his playmakers get yards after the catch. Um, Just real quick, let me look at the yards after catch because it was a big number um, tonight. Uh, 237. 237 yards after the catch. So um, that was a big night where they were just dumping the ball off and letting guys make things happen. Yeah, well, uh, Jamarcus Shepard's got some explaining to do because this is the first game that w- that they had more their yards than his yards. So well, we had them earlier, but he claimed it didn't count because the running backs were included in that. So okay, well, that would be the case today too. But um, anyway, you know, I I just um, I, I thought Washington did a good job of trying to you know not not pressing and and you could tell 
Penix wanted to go deep a few times and just wasn't able to do it. He hit that long pass to Josh Cuevas uh, down the sidelines where they isolated him on a, on a linebacker. And, and uh, you know, they, they had a couple really nice um, – you know, uh, plays where the receivers would break or the, or the tailback broke a, broke a tackle or made a guy missing in, uh, out in space and, and were able to get, get run, yards after the catch. But for the most part, you know, I thought Arizona played really, really well defensively. You know, everybody wants to make fun of Johnny Nansen and I totally get why, but I honestly thought Johnny Nansen ran a really good game and gave his offense every chance uh, to score and to possibly knock off Washington. And, and they almost did it. They almost did it. Yeah. And it just looked like Michael wanted to go down field, but it just wasn't there. And it's, he forced it a couple of times maybe and threw things that just weren't there. But, you know, overall, I think he pretty much, you know, took what was given him. And I was talking next to Hugh Millen and, you know, he says, how'd you like to have a bad game? And you still, have 363 yards passing and people think he had a bad game. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say he had a bad game. I just, you know, he didn't, how is he going to throw touchdowns when they're, when they're covered like that? I mean, he, he did what he was supposed to do, which was hand the ball off and they, they ran it in. They got four touchdowns running the ball. I mean, I don't remember, I don't remember the last time that's happened uh, other than when Miles Gaskin was, uh, was at the university of Washington. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how anybody could say that Michael Penix had a had a bad game. Anybody saying that Michael Penix had a bad game doesn't understand football. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting with zero touchdowns. I think Hugh was a little bit tongue in cheek, but uh, 363. Yeah, I get it. That's his lowing lowest passing totals. And, um, you know, he scrambled a little bit, not effectively, but he scrambled a little bit uh, as well. Yeah, I'm yeah, trying to he, figure out. I'm, I'm actually looking it up, guys. I'm trying to figure out if this is the first game since Michael Penix came to Washington that he hasn't thrown a touchdown. I'm, for some reason, I want to say there was one last year, but it hasn't. You, you could absolutely be right, though, Chris. It's 18 games, and I, I'm going to come me. back to you guys. I'm going to I'm going to find right. out. I'm going to figure well, that out. Well, anyway, uh, Kim, you were referencing Michael Penix running the ball. Um, he didn't really run the ball. He only had two carries, and both of those were sacks. Um, that, that, he scrambled a little bit, so. Well, he scrambled around. Yes, he moved and, and did those things, but he was sacked twice. And um, one one of the sacks, I don't really give a sack because he just he didn't have anything and he tried to run up the middle and he chose wrong and and ended up falling like a half a yard short of the line of scrimmage. But the other one was definitely a sack. It was a coverage sack. He was waiting for guys to break open. It didn't happen. So you know, overall, I thought Michael Penix did exactly what he needed to do. He took care of the ball. He didn't turn the ball over. The only turnover was the was the fumble by Jeremy Bernard as Washington was trying to close things out down deep. If they score that touchdown, the game's over with at that point. But they didn't. And, uh, you know, Arizona was able to get back into it. But, uh, you know, I thought Penix did exactly what you would expect a veteran quarterback to do. As frustrating as I'm sure it was for him, Ryan Grubb, he still was 30 of 40 for 363 yards and, you know, completed 75% of his passes. I don't think you can complain anything about what Michael, Michael uh, Penix did tonight. And by the, by the way, guys, the, he did have one game last year where he yeah. did not throw a touchdown. You want to, you want to take a stab, which one it was? I'm thinking that it was probably the, uh, Arizona state. No, no, oh. he had a touchdown yep. pass. Oh, nope. that was it. Wow. Yep. Okay. Arizona state. Okay. He went 33 of 53 for 311 and one interception. 
Well, he, he technically did throw a touchdown. What's that? He technically did throw a touchdown in that putt, but it went the other way. Well, okay, sure. Pick <laughs> six. Yeah, there you go. For sure. Sorry. Scott, but, but again, it's Scott it's goes stand in desert, man. five minutes. Okay, sounds good. Hey, um, we also saw, and in, in, uh, Kalen DeBoer talked about this as well, last year the running game took a little while to get going, and then as the season went along, Cam Davis emerged as the guy. I think we saw the emergence of um, Dylan Johnson today, and uh, he was called a workhorse postgame by, um, by Kalen DeBoer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, if anything, I, I, and you're going to have to kind of fill us in, Kim, when you talk to DeBoer, did, was he asked about the idea of going to Johnson in that fourth quarter? Not not the very very final drive to salt it away, but the drive before. Did he was he asked whether or not they were going to go to maybe the run game four minute drive that kind of thing? Where was he concerned at all about the fact that they weren't able to to move the ball then? No, I, I mean he really didn't address it. You know, it's just post game was kind of short. We got Kalen DeBoer, and Michael Penix, and that was it. But you know. Um, Dylan Johnson, 16 carries for 91 yards, and then, um, you know, uh, receiving he had, receiving he was targeted six times, five receptions for 48 yards, and he had uh, 40 yards after the catch. So, um, you know, he had a lot of touches today, and he made an impact out, out there today. Yes, he did. For sure he did, and he had actually one really, really good catch. Kind of reminded me of, of Cam Davis's catch against Oregon State. Yeah, where yeah, he had, I did. Yeah. yeah, full extension, full extension. But uh, it was good to see that, you know, I know a lot of fans are going to complain about their their game management at the end of the game. I, I wonder, Kim, if did he talk at all about them getting worn out as a team in the fourth quarter? Because no, no, no. you mentioned weather wasn't necessarily a problem. It seemed like weather could have been a problem because it, it felt like they were really subbing in a number of guys. To, no, the, to try to fill bodies, and so I was just kind of wondering if that was the case. I don't even think I worked up a sweat down there today. I, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's dry. I'm guessing it was, you know, it was mid 80s by kickoff, and then it got down to like 80 degrees, you know, down at the end of the game. And you guys know that 80 degrees down here is a lot different than 80 degrees in Seattle. I thought it was comfortable. So, well, one, yeah. one thing, one thing I wanted to point out, Chris, and you, you mentioned that that you know the what what they did in that second to last drive, but um, you know, I didn't mind the the shot over the top to Romo Dunsey on the first play, but after that, they should have run it. I, I disagreed with the throwing it, and yeah. and I I thought they should have I thought they should run the ball. And and they didn't do that. And I thought they could have at least forced Arizona to ha- take those timeouts at the very least. But Washington was able to run the ball most of the night whenever they wanted to. Yeah, I was going to add to that, Kim, that, you know, regardless of how you felt about that second to last drive game management, salting it away. What? Because to me, those guys always talk about in their core, they're a team that just they want to stay aggressive. They're confident they're going to move the ball no matter what. Now, how they're going to do that, how they're going to manufacture that, you know, who knows. But I think one of the things, and you you guys would agree with me on this, is that after the 2022 season, one of the things that DeBoer and Grubb talked about a lot was being effective running the ball when they had to run the ball. And at the very end of the game tonight, they had to run the ball. They had to get that first down. And, yes, it went to the fourth down to do it, but that fourth down run was exactly what they needed to do, and it's exactly what they would have preached. 
So I thought in the end they were successful running the ball, doing what they needed to do. I just know there were a lot of fans out there that were really surprised that they didn't try to salt the game away earlier. I couldn't see what the defensive alignment was on that series, but, uh, you know, this team's always been pretty good at being at taking what they were given. I don't – were they um, – were they stacking the line expecting the run? Was that there? Was that a check down from Michael on something he saw? I don't know. Yeah, no, well, my, no, I think that was a called play because I think they figured they were going to go. And he probably had two plays that he could run. And um, they're like, if they load the box, you're going to throw it over top to Rome. And if they don't load the box, then you're going to run it. And they, and, loaded and they the knew box. they were going to have time to scheme yeah. it too, guys, because they had time. Arizona was using their yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that's just – it's. That's not what they did. It's who they are. That's their DNA. Um, you know, if they'd hit a couple of those and made, put the uh, game away, nobody would have said anything. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was, it, the game just felt a little bit weird down here. It's a desert. It always seems a little bit weird. Yep. Yep. It's it, weird. Things happen down in the desert to Washington, whatever, for whatever reason. And Pac-12 after dark, too, guys. This is the last Pac-12 after dark in the desert that they'll be that they'll ever have well think about think think about this think about this too the 2016 team was about as dominant of a team as washington has had from a defensive and offensive standpoint they had a great offense they had one of the best defenses they've ever put out on the field as a program and they didn't washington they had to go to overtime didn't they yes yeah there is just something weird that happens once you get down in the desert for washington yeah and i don't know what it is but you know i'm gonna miss coming down to Phoenix and Tucson, you know, it's going to probably going to be the last trip for a while. So, you know, they're going to substitute Tucson and uh, and uh, <laughs> Phoenix for those Midwest schools in November. Des Moines, Des Moines and Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Ann Arbor and Columbus. Minnesota, Minneapolis. Yep, You're going to yeah. have fun. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to have to invest in more cold weather gear. So. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, Tuli Latula Gasanoa uh, wasn't able to finish the game. He came out at halftime. He was in a boot, looked like he had his ankle wrapped. Kalen DeBoer uh, said it wasn't anything serious. So uh, we'll see. Um, you know, some, I've seen guys in a cast, you know, I mean, excuse me, in a boot. And two days later, they're walking around and are just fine. So maybe it's just precautionary more than anything. Um it looked like uh, MJ Ole got dinged a bit, but he uh, went back into the game. But uh, losing Thule could be uh, a big loss um, if it turns out that he won't be able to make the Oregon game. 
Oh, um, definitely. That's not a good that's not a good loss for Washington. And not not that there's any guys that are good losses, but that's a big loss for Washington. Well, and the guys that DeBoer said that he thought were had a really good chance of being able to play tonight were Jalen McMillan and Julius Bulow. He thought would travel or or whatever, and, and neither one of them traveled. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see. Maybe he's overly optimistic in general and overshoots it on injuries. Well, obviously, time will tell. But the fact that they have two weeks for these things is is good news on that front. Yeah, um, defensively, they were playing a lot of weird fronts out there with um, just two defensive ends and uh, putting linebackers in the middle. And um, I don't it, it it seemed like they had a lot worse game than they did, but they only gave up what they give up full yards. Three, uh, three, forty, three, forty two. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't horrible. But uh, the defensive backs, uh, you know, I, I, I thought the defensive backs didn't play that well, the, you know, especially with the pass interference calls, the holding calls. And we had a lot of penalties on both sides of the ball. Well, there were a lot of penalties, but Washington's were more were more impactful. It felt like they had 12 for 125, whereas Arizona had eight for 60. And Chris, you know, we were talking about it, the, the obvious holds that were happening against Washington that were not being called. And oh, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, there, sure. were, there were some really bad ones, but, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the, uh, with the, um, pass interference penalties, although the one with, you know, the one with, uh, Jabbar and, 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 uh, was it Tutoria, uh, McMillan, um, going so. up. Yeah. Where it looked like they were hand fighting for the ball. And, yeah. and, and Tutoria does a really good job. T-Mac does a really good job of pushing off. He shoved off a guys all night. Well, they um, both had, they both had yeah. hands on each other's jerseys. So, yeah. but they're never, but like you said on the board, Chris, they're never going to call that on the wide receiver. That's sure. just never going to happen. Or so. And I, and I yeah. think in general, guys, I think in general, one of the reasons why it probably feels like the defense didn't play as well as as maybe it'll look when on on second viewing like when we go back and watch it again you know washington was re- in really good shape through three quarters they had they had allowed only 202 yards but they gave up 140 yards in the fourth quarter alone mm-hmm. and i'm telling you they were swapping out a lot of guys on that defensive front i mean i saw uh lance holtzclaw in there i saw milton hopkins in there at the edges um, I think they were swapping out some of the DBs as well. I know that they were swapping out pretty liberally the the linebackers, you know, at, at least the the first four guys, if not more. I'd have to go back to really identify if they played Fowler at all or if they played. They um, did play Fowler. I know they did. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, but what I'm saying is that it, they really started to kind of liberally use those guys, which is why I asked him whether or not. DeBoer talked at all about the end, whether or not they were, it felt like maybe they were getting worn down a little bit because it certainly seemed by the subbing that they were doing on defense that they were getting worn down. Well, the, the game should have been salted away, you know, to Kim's point that the defensive backs didn't play well. I, I disagree with you that overall they didn't play well, but Thaddeus Dixon needs to make that pick. And if he makes that pick, game's over, period. Yeah, the guy that was, it was kind of weird. I didn't notice Mish Powell out there much tonight. Oh no! Yeah, he was out there. Yeah, he was out there. Uh, he took a bad angle on that. For, what was it? The swing pass to 
I think uh, that was Dom Hampton. Oh, that was Dom Hampton. Okay, that was my yeah. bad then. Okay. Well, anyway, whoever it was, it was it was a horrible angle that they took, and that's why he sprung loose for that 37-yard gain on that swing pass. But overall, you know, I, I mean, uh, Yogi Roth, who, granted, he is one of the most positive guys that you'll ever listen to, but he talked about how um, Washington's defensive backs were tackling unbelievably in the secondary. Yeah, and in space. They were great. In out in space. Yeah, I mean, and think about how hard Coleman and uh, DJ Williams were running the ball. I mean, they they ran over guys. And, and they're big. They're big guys. Oh my gosh! I I mean, they ran over at Ulafosio like nobody's business. Yeah, I mean, he was he was trying to scrape off a block. Yeah, he was kind of already a little off balance, but yeah, he got trucked on that one. <laughs> I know it was. Brutal, yeah, that so. was not pretty on his. Yeah. End. I, I want to Carson say on, Brun, on, on, Car, Carson Bruner got run over one time too. Yeah. go forth, go forth, had to hang on for dear life. But, you know, overall, and, and I thought Nunley with that nice pick, I mean, that was yeah. great. Um, it, that was and that go, was the one play where Noah Fafita kind of yeah. went outside his, himself. Yep. He tried, to, tried to make something happen that he didn't need to. Yep. Same thing with Jeremy Bernard fumbling when he just, he just needed to follow his blocks and, yep. and go around and go out of bounds if he had to. You're up three um, scores at that point if you do yeah, that. Yeah, but just just young guys trying to make yep. big plays, and that's all that was. But I wanted to to, to defend Dom Hampton for a second because that one angle that he took was was really poor, and it ended up being a huge play. But he led the Huskies with 12 tackles today. I mean, and he, he was physical. He was thumping. He yeah. was thumping big time. So I wanted to give Dom Hampton props. That, that, that hit on that hit on Cowling. On that last drive, yeah. on their yeah. last drive, oh my gosh, he just yeah. destroyed him. Yeah. So yeah. I thought overall he had a real solid game, but it's just sometimes when you're out in space like that and you can get exposed, it, it looks really bad. I've been calling Dom Hampton T-Bone because it just looks like he T-bones everybody he tackles. But um, you know, uh, Kalen DeBoer went out of his way too to uh, praise uh, Vince Nunley. He looks like he's really coming on, and you know, Cam Cameron Fabi Kulanen's coming along as well. Yeah, I thought Fabi Kulanen had a had a decent game. I thought um, I thought uh, you know Elijah Jackson had a mm-hmm. really good game. He was tackling yes. guys left and right. I mean, yes. all the time on the edge. You know, and there were those are plays that if he doesn't make those plays, that goes for another 10 to 15 yards easily, you know, yes. and, you know, he makes those plays. So overall, you know what? I mean, if, if everybody remembers back to the Oregon game, how many missed tackles there were and almost all of them were the defensive backs. You know, I I don't know if we're going to see that same issue this year when they play Oregon. Now, <laughs> there could be a lot of other issues, but but, you know, that. They, they seem to have really shored things up in the secondary as far as tackling in space. I was going to say, trying to get Fafita down a couple times, they really just, it was kind oh, of Oh, Fabi Kulanen on that one, yeah. Yeah, there was a couple times where it was tough on him. Um, and then the running backs sometimes were able to slip into the second in, into the second level and whatnot. But but the point stands. When the ball was getting to the defensive backs or getting to that level, it didn't go any further. They did not mm-hmm. let the big play. They did not let a play explode. And I think that's a real credit to them because bottom line is, you know, Arizona was doing some things. And and I, to be honest with you, I think their offensive line should get a lot of credit. I think they did a pretty good job overall with a, with a quarterback making his first career start in that kind of an environment going up against the top 10 team. That's he played well. And, and I think his offensive line gave him a lot of uh, a lot of uh, protection. But when it came to tackling those guys, when they needed to make the tackle, they made the tackle. And that's a credit to Washington. 
Yeah, one other weird thing that happens down here at Arizona that I've never seen anywhere is after the game, when we're walking out of doing interviews, they empty the beer kegs into the drains. So there's like a river of beer that you have to walk through to get to the elevator. So never seen that before. So it'd be cool to have a dog and let him have a drink. But uh, yeah, there's a river of beer going from the kegs into uh, into the drains. So you think on a way, family weekend they wouldn't they wouldn't let that go to waste? Yeah. Well, one <laughs> thing we got to remember, I would never do that. When we're talking about the defense, we also got to mention that Braylon Trice finally got his first sack. And he did. Um, that was a heck of a sack, too. Yeah, it was a really, really good. It sack. was a big play, well, too. Big play. And, you know, to be honest, on, on, on a few of those passes, those swing passes you were talking about, Scott, man, he was millimeters away. Oh, from oh. And, well, and, and, and the and the touchdown pass to, to uh, T-Mac to uh, the one yarder. Yeah, I mean, yes, he almost the, the one that, that yeah, the one that he that Elijah Jackson was covering on that yeah on that well, touchdown. He, he was he covering him on touchdown. both of his touchdowns, yeah. Yeah. It just seems like Washington's having a tough time getting holding calls uh, uh you know um on them. So anyways, well hey, let's wrap it up, guys. It's late. I got a flight out tomorrow and uh anything else we you know, go ahead and wrap it up, Chris Fetters. Sure. No, I, I think, again, 5-0. and oh, This is a game that they lost last year at ASU when you're talking about a young quarterback who hadn't really played a lot. And, you know, Washington had to had to defend a guy who I think was had the, the full backing of his team, read out the whole bit. And uh, I think the atmosphere, Kim, you can you can speak to the atmosphere if you if you think how loud it was or whatnot. But it certainly looked pretty good on on TV, at least to start. And I thought Washington uh, did exactly what they were what they needed to do in terms of taking what was given early on. They only had those those first three drives, you know, until that final drive of the first half, and they scored every time. They they did exactly what you would want to do. I think it's in the second half when things got a little muddier, and maybe they tried for some some things and didn't, you know, weren't successful, and then they had the fumble and whatnot. You know, things started to to get a little tougher for them, and I think. It's a credit to their resilience and their ability to to kind of uh, you know tighten things up when they needed to and, and find a way to win. That is something that they weren't able to do last year, and I think that's ultimately a credit to them. So five and zero, oh, they have a week to rest up and then get ready for Oregon, and that thing's going to be a monster game. ESPN Game Day for sure, probably going to be a midday game. It's going to be awesome. Scott Eklund, wrap it up. Um, you know, for, for the people who want to, you know, be concerned about Washington only getting a seven, uh, seven point win over Arizona on the road, Georgia barely beat Auburn who barely beat Cal. Okay. So it's things like this happen on the road in college football. They don't always happen, but they do happen. And Washington was able to survive it. Good teams figure out a way to get wins and, and Washington was able to go out and do it. I was encouraged a lot by what this I saw in the secondary. There were some plays that they could have made that they didn't make, but for the most part, I was pretty encouraged. The t- the penalties have absolutely got to get cleaned up, regardless of whether some of them were ticky-tack or bad calls or whatever. You cannot continue to get 12 penalties for 125 yards. I don't remember what they had last week, but I'm pretty sure it was double digits or you know or like nine. Um, and Washington has has had a lot of penalties this year. 
And maybe that some of that, uh, uh, at least on the defensive side of the ball, is because they're being more aggressive. I don't know. But uh, that needs to get cleaned up. You can't have that. And you, you definitely can't have 12 penalties for 125 yards against Oregon and expect to win. That's just not going to happen. We've seen games like this before where Washington has been heavy favorites and gone down to Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Stanford, and lost. We've seen those games. Uh, they won this game. Uh, yep. We've seen plenty of these types of games where they have lost, but they they won. Um, you know, and you, I, I don't think the timing could be better. Going into the bye week, they've got a lot to clean up. They've got a lot of film, but there's going to be a lot of things to clean up. And, you know, if they'd had a blowout win, maybe sitting on their laurels or a little bit and going into Oregon with less of an edge. But I think with everything that they have to clean up going into that Oregon game, which is a big game, um, you know, I think they'll be ready and they'll have time to get some guys healed up with Thule and um, Jalen McMillan. Ace and Turner. Yep. I think Ace is going to be out a while, you know, but, you know, Cameron Fabi Kulan and his, um, you know, he's played really, really well. Mm-hmm. So um, I, that's not going to be a huge thing if he's not back. But, you know, just getting some time to heal up and get rested. And Oregon's going to have the same thing, but that game is going to be electric uh, at uh, Husky Stadium. So it could be. I, I, I would hearken it back to probably from an atmosphere standpoint to what we saw when Washington took on Stanford in 2016, that Friday night game, that was pretty electric in that game. And I think you're going to see it match that or exceed that uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Just a couple of other notes hearing that Scott Barnes, the Oregon state um, um, athletic director interviewed for the university of Washington job, pretty good source on that. But I think everybody anticipated that. So it would be a surprise if he didn't still try to confirm that that's true. But, um, I'm pretty confident that if it didn't happen, it will happen. I also know that there, I can't remember the guy's name, the, um, uh, athletic director at, at Fresno State is also a candidate, so I expect uh, some kind of an interview to go on there. And it's kind of a cat and mouse game. We're trying to figure out what they're doing, and nobody wants us to know what's going on. Also, basketball is about to heat up. We've got media day next Monday down in Las Vegas, so we'll see that spring practice. Excuse me, um, the practice for the basketball team started last week, so basketball is going to start heating up a little bit. It's our favorite time of the year when football and basketball all overlap, right, Chris? Sure. Why not? So expect some basketball stuff. And Zoom Diallo, uh, the five-star point guard out of Curtis High School uh, down in Tacoma, is on campus this weekend. So I wouldn't be surprised if we hear some good news on that coming up soon. So, okay, just to make sure he's not from Curtis anymore, Kim. Uh, he's from Prolific Prep in Napa. He's attending Olympic Prep down in Napa, but he's from Curtis. He played yes. three years down there. So anyways, so, uh, expect basketball stuff to be happening soon as well. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinalds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.